So it's been two weeks, and uh, let me just say I intended to record last Thursday, but I got drunk. And then with the weekend, uh, I had the Bernie rally, which I volunteered at, and I'll be going into that and some of my experiences, uh, as well as some recorded clips. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say, I intended to record, and I did not, and I apologize for that to all my loyal listeners. Obviously, we're back to our Tuesday schedule. It is Super Tuesday, and uh, it has been, I mean, it has been a drag, I'll say that, and uh, obviously, it's 6 o'clock. I don't know a single result. I have seen a lot of polls uh, that aren't exactly what I want to see. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of these polls are getting dropped at like the last minute. So I have my suspicions about them. I'm going to go into that uh, as well as what we do in the scenarios that follow Super Tuesday. Stay tuned. So, of course, I didn't record last week. That happens every now and again, you know. Uh, it's been difficult, I guess, uh, maintaining morale. You know, the primary has just gotten more and more vicious. Uh, and the hostile powers that are arrayed against us seem endless. Every time we think we've got them taxed, uh, they come at us with yet another ocean of chicanery that they can throw at us. I mean, it, it's just difficult. It's, it's very difficult for me to record when I, uh, I feel like crap, you know what I mean? Cause you got to motivate yourself to speak into a mic. You got to find something to talk about. You got to be optimistic. And you know, it, 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 it has been difficult to maintain optimism. And I'm not saying that because I don't think we're going to win. It, it's just difficult to imagine when you're arrayed against this much concentrated power that is doing as much as it is to defeat us, that it, it's just difficult to believe, I suppose, that you can succeed. You know, I know what the polls say. I know what my head says. You know, my head says that we're going to be fine. My head says that we didn't just bust our asses for four years in preparation for this to be taken out by a rotten political establishment, right? Like, I mean, my head says we've got this, but my heart is heavy as if we've already lost. And why is that? Well, in case you weren't following politics, which I can completely understand. And if I'm your only link to that, <laughs> um, in case you're not following politics, uh, we had some dropouts over the weekend. On Sunday, Pete Buttigieg dropped out suddenly, uh, which was a surprise to me at the time. It, ca it came on the heels of Liz Smith, Liz Smith, his uh, the the head of his campaign, uh, telling everyone that it was just a rumor that he was going to back out and back and back Biden. That that was just a a, a falsified rumor. It wasn't true. And then that just that happened, like. 12, less than 12 hours later. And then after Buttigieg drops out, uh, Klobuchar dropped out yesterday and endorsed Biden immediately. 
Now, a Buttigieg surrogate, one of his staffers, made a tweet that basically said that President Barack Obama called him and told him to drop out and endorse Joe Biden. And Pete Buttigieg refused initially, but then all of his funding from the DNC dried up and he had no choice. Now, that may be true. It may not be true. The the surrogate or the staffer deleted their tweet, uh, presumably because they were called about it. Uh, furthermore, there was another tweet where uh, Walid Shahid, I believe is the name, uh, one of Bernie Sanders' chief strategists, uh, had received a call from uh, Pete Buttigieg himself. <laughs> and he had the audio recording and he had to delete this tweet as well. Uh, again, presumably his superiors were like, no, you can't, don't, don't do that. Uh, but Pete Buttigieg accidentally called him trying to talk to Joe Biden to come up with their plans moving forward, I suppose, is exactly, I, I heard it before it was deleted. And that's, that's what the gist of it was, is that we need to discuss our plans for the future. And he texted him as well. So I wish I had gotten that clip before it got deleted. Uh, but, you know, I guess, you know, more now I'm a little wiser. I'll expect that next time. But uh, that was surprising. You know, the, all of these events uh, happening one after another has made the last 48 hours harrowing. And uh, it is clear that the establishment is in a panic mode. For them to make a call like that to Pete Buttigieg, which I think given the scenario, given the fact that Pete had stayed in it this long, had ostensibly, let's just give it to them for the sake of not debating it, one Iowa, uh, it just seems surprising he would drop out two days before Super Tuesday. And the reason that Barack Obama called him and that the establishment is going into overdrive to try and stop Bernie Sanders. And, you know, Pete Buttigieg himself said he got out to stop Bernie Sanders. He made a point of saying that. Uh, so to, for them to all be doing this shows you how scared they are. So on the one hand, and somebody said this earlier this morning and I retweeted it, try to try to be optimistic. We have never been this close before. Like, we've never been this close before. All they can do now is try and demoralize us, right? Like, that's the goal, is to try and discourage our activism, discourage our votes. They've thrown all their support behind Joe Biden. Now, my brain, so I'm going to first do what my, you know what, I'm going to first do what my heart says. And my heart is not logical. My heart is, you know, uh, uh, temperamental and can be surprised. My heart tells me that Biden is going to wind up with a majority of the polling going his way. Uh, let's say Warren wins Colorado, despite the fact that Bernie is supposedly winning Colorado. You know, let's say Warren wins Massachusetts by Bernie supposedly supposed to be winning Massachusetts. Uh, let's say Bernie wins Maine, Texas and California, but narrowly in Biden and he more or less walk away with a fairly even amount of delegates. You know, like I think that's a pretty depressing turnout. But uh, that is my heart, and that's about as much, I think. And a lot of that, by the way, I don't think is borne out by data. I don't think Elizabeth Warren winning Colorado is very much borne out by data. Uh, or, I mean, what? You could, give, you could give it to Joe Biden, but that seems even less likely to me. It's the state that legalized marijuana, and he says he wants to make it illegal again because it's a gateway drug. 
Uh, nonetheless, uh, that's my heart. My heart tells me that the centrist glob of Klobuchar, Pete, and even better O'Rourke, who got called out of whatever table he was left standing on, uh, to try and throw his support behind Biden. And Biden's like, yeah, I'm going to make you know, like this came out just like an hour ago. He's like, I'm going to put him in charge of my gun policy. It's like, oh, great. Hooray. Like Beto O'Rourke, man, if I wanted to talk about hope and change, he's the guy I'd listen to 30 minutes shout on a table about it. That's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just depressing to see all of these people array themselves against us. James Comey came out in favor of Joe Biden. You know, it, it, it's a lot of pressure, but that's my, that's my head. You know, that's, that's my head or my heart. Here's my head. My head tells me is this is the dumbest decision that the establishment's ever made because I don't see the logic behind it. People don't vote like a glob people like that, that it's like they literally saw that graph of the chimera of Klobuchar, Pete, and Biden, and they're like, yeah, if we can just get that glob together, we'll beat Bernie. And I saw that, and I'm like, but that's not how people vote. A lot of Joe Biden's second choice is Bernie Sanders. Pete Buttigieg's supporters' second choice is Bernie Sanders. And lo and behold, when Bernie dropped out, a ton of high-level Pete Buttigieg supporters backed Bernie. Like these were people that had fairly large accounts, and they're walking away with 20,000 likes. And I know that you're not supposed to uh, measure activism and likes, but if you can swing even just a district towards Bernie because of that back out, that's great. Throwing all their eggs in the Joe Biden basket, a man who even just yesterday was saying tomorrow is super Thursday and had to correct himself. Like the guy is falling apart at the seams. It just doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I, my heart tells me that this is grim and dark and bleak because the polling is telling me it's grim and dark and bleak. But my head tells me that this just doesn't jive with reality. It just doesn't make sense. There's a reason Joe Biden didn't win Iowa, despite being hyped up as the best guy for it. There's a reason Joe Biden didn't win New Hampshire or Nevada. He won South Carolina, but he was always projected to win South Carolina. People were saying in later days, including myself, it's like, I think Bernie's going to win South Carolina just because we were so used to Joe Biden losing. And now we have Joe Biden winning a state finally, and he got a clutch endorsement from Clyburn, uh, which a lot of people said made up their minds about voting for him. Well, that's not going to happen in every single state. A lot of Beto O'Rourke supporters or former supporters are pissed at him and they're voting for Bernie Sanders. Because they wanted a progressive. Like, you can't pull that in every single state. And you can't just not have Joe Biden sniffing hair or calling people fat or challenging them to push-up contests. It seems like that's all he knows how to do. It's his number one most recognized trait is turning voters off. And the idea, like, to me, like, even if I go with my heart scenario where I'm conservative and I say that we break out in a tie between Biden and Bernie coming out of Super Tuesday, I don't see how that's a bad thing. Like a lot of people are like, no, we need to crush him because we need to get a plurality of delegates. Well, two thirds of the delegates are still on the table and Joe Biden is falling apart at the seams. I mean, he's a disaster every time he speaks. Like you think that he's going to stop being a disaster once Pete and Amy are off the trail? 
Like, imagine what debates are going to look like now. Like, how long, for example, how long does Mike Bloomberg stay in this race? Supposedly, he's going to drop out after Super Tuesday and endorse Biden. But I don't know that that's for sure. Mike Bloomberg's not the kind of person that Barack Obama can call and boss around the way Pete Buttigieg can. Like, he's not dependent on DNC funding. He's not dependent on DNC support. He's the kind of person that buys support. So I can't say for certain that like in any world that a Mike Bloomberg would back out. I don't know why, like here, let me look at this from another direction. Why did Mike Bloomberg get in? Mike Bloomberg getting in was a vote of no confidence in Joe Biden in the first place. Now, if Joe Biden does well or well enough on Super Tuesday, yeah, okay, fine. Maybe Bloomberg gets out and uh, the centrist vote will consolidate underneath of Joe Biden. But how is this any different from what we were expecting? How is this any different from even like 2016? We've been here before, right? Like that's what my head tells me. People are like, oh my God, it's a repeat of 2016. I don't know, man. I think that our odds are a lot higher if we even just break even coming out of Super Tuesday versus Joe Biden. I mean, and I don't I don't know if the polling says we're going to break even, but the idea that Joe Biden is going to be able to hold on, especially when a lot of southern states vote today, like Alabama and Arkansas, places where theoretically Joe Biden should dominate, like, I don't know that, and they don't have a lot of delegates, but I don't know that I would bet that this is a good day for the establishment, that they have to put everything behind a guy who keeps telling people to vote for the other guy. And with no Pete and no Klobuchar on the debate stage to make his arguments more coherent by attacking Bernie, it's just going to like, can you like think about it like this? One of the biggest problems with the debates is when they have to switch between eight or nine different people, right? Like they keep bouncing around and they go off of Bernie and give Amy Klobuchar a just disproportionately stupid amount of time to talk. Well, that's not going to be a thing anymore. And with only like four people in the race, more people are going to tune in. It's only going to hone people, right? So it just seems to me that our worst case scenario, like when I think about it, doesn't even sound that bad. Now, if you're saying, well, we need to get a plurality to win, I don't know if that was ever realistic. I still think it's a very likely scenario, but I would not have guessed two days ago that Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar would have dropped out. I mean, that's stunning. Like I... I had been saying for some time that the establishment is too narcissistic to beat us and that's what's going to be well, that's what's going to win is that these politicians are such narcissists they won't cooperate. And it looks like for a moment there that's exactly what was going to happen. Pete Buttigieg was like, "No, I'm not going to drop out." But then of course, you know, I mean, he ultimately did. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, same thing. You know, she dropped out when demanded by her uh, establishment masters. Now, after that, there's a bunch of polls blitz to say Joe Biden surges as a result of this. But like, again, even if you take the amount of centrist versus moderate, what is it like 40% uh, or pff, uh, progressive versus moderate, 40% progressive, 60% uh, moderate, uh, and you give 40% of that, and I'm being generous here to Bernie and Warren, and you give 60% of it to Biden, Pete, and Klobuchar. Uh, it seems to me that more than likely having those people drop out right before Super Tuesday doesn't mean a lot of people who are low information voters are also centrists. Centrists are not in general high information voters. 
having these two people do a, a spike of the ball and drop out before Super Tuesday, I mean, I I feel like it is a reasonable assumption that a lot of people won't even know they dropped out and will go and vote for them anyway. And those votes effectively get lost in a vat. Like centrists are not as high information voters as progressives. Progressives are very high information voters. And that's even among dumb progressives. Like like the dumbest self-spoken progressive knows more about politics than most centrists. Because most centrists, like, I mean, if we're going with the vast majority, it's older people who just know what cable news tells them. And not even that, like what cable news tells them. It's like what they flip through before they go to watch another TV show. Like these are not people that go on the internet and their first thought is to uh, read an article or look at a poll, right? So the idea that Buttigieg and Klobuchar would be able to command the entirety of their support to go underneath the Biden just doesn't seem very plausible to me. I think a fair amount of it's going to vote for them anyway. So that's just lost votes, which, okay, they're not viable. They're off the debate stage. This, on, In another world, in another lens, that looks like a good thing. Uh, and then couple that with the fact that a fair amount of their support goes to Bernie. 30% of Buttigieg supporters were supposedly second choice Bernie. If your first choice is Buttigieg and your second choice is Bernie, first off, that is a weird, 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 weird world. I don't understand that at all. But... I at least believe that a lot of those people switched over. So if I even give like a third of you from the Buttigieg camp, a third of you to Biden and a third of you to Bernie, Bernie was already ahead of Biden. And these are not Biden friendly states. And Biden again, keeps sundowning on television. Like Nevada was where we really cleaned up and Texas and California demographically are a lot more like Nevada. It just doesn't make sense. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong and my heart could be right. And this could be a a black day for democracy. You know what I mean? This could be grim, but my head can't square this circle that the establishment is pulling. It really feels like they looked at that graph of Warren, not Warren, Pete, uh, Amy, and Biden. And we're like, yep, that's the way moderates vote. Even though the majority of Joe Biden's second choice is Bernie and the majority of Pete Buttigieg's second choice is Bernie. They didn't even bother to look at the second choice of Klobuchar because she had so little of the overall vote, like a 5%. So again, are you telling me that she commands the entirety of that 5% to go to Biden? I just don't know, man. I think a lot of them probably go to Warren. I think a lot of them uh, might want to see a woman in the White House. They want to see a fighter. So I think that that might give Warren uh, uh, some more support. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. I think a lot of them would have gone to Pete, but Pete's gone. Like, I, I just, we're talking about the Midwest where Bernie typically is quite popular. And Klobuchar drops out right before Minnesota. I feel like that depresses the centrist vote. I don't feel like everybody's talking about how, oh, there's a Biden surge. People are surging around Biden. But what about actual voter enthusiasm for him? It's not high. 
Whenever you pull that, it's actually abysmally low. People are not excited by Joe Biden or anything that he's putting on the stage. Like we talk about depressing the progressive vote and things that can do that. What about depressing the centrist vote? If if Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar drop out, isn't it a fair chance? I'm not saying likely, but a fair chance that a lot of their voters stay home and don't have a second choice. For example, I work with a person who voted for Yang today because Yang was on the ballot. And I mentioned, like, can I count on your support for Bernie? Uh, because Yang has dropped out. She's like, Yang's the only one that's earned my vote. And uh, to me, that was irrational, but I didn't follow the conversation further. Uh, well, we had already had a conversation up to that point, but that was like how it ended. Uh, anyway, I didn't follow the conversation further than that because I realized the amount of energy it would take to move this person for one vote was astronomical because they even knowing Yang had dropped out were like, nope, he's the only one that's earned my vote. I'm voting for him, even though, it, it again, it's effectively a wasted vote. It's going nowhere. And that's a shame in my mind, but I'm not going to try and, like, convince you uh, that you're not wasting your vote. You know, it, 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 that's the kind of thing that the uh, Clintonites did. You know, we talk about vote shaming, and I've done a spirited defense of vote shaming in the past because I actually think it has merit. I think that shame as a concept has merit. But the idea that you can base a policy around it is is foolish. And for me, like I'm like, what about the Green New Deal? What about Medicare for all? None of those things moved her. She's like, they're pie in the sky. Yang was more practical. Again, it. She just knew who he was. She read the book. She was like a Yang person. And I'm not going to say that I I think that's particularly wise. I don't. But at the same time. You're entitled to vote how you want to vote. And I decided instead I would talk with some of the other people in my office, and I think I moved one of them on to Bernie. Uh, but all of this is to say that I feel like a lot of people who would have been enthused and ready to go vote for Amy Klobuchar are not then going to go, all right, now I'm enthused and ready to vote for Joe Biden. It just doesn't seem to add up to me. It's not the way people vote. The Pete Buttigieg supporters, the majority of his support, second choice is Bernie. By like nine percentage points, right? Like I don't know what Klobuchar's second choice is because they didn't poll for that, so I don't have that data. But it it just doesn't seem likely that the Klobuchar Biden line is really there. They don't really have they that you could say they have same the same politics, and I would say they do. I would say that calling them the moderates is exactly correct. I think the corporate media recognizes that, but the brand is not the same. You know, Joe Biden does not have, in my view, the same appeal as Sarah Palin does, which is more of what I would see the brand of Amy Klobuchar is. White woman, takes no shit, world of tough men, but she's not talking about how it's time for a woman in the White House, you know, which is the Hillary Clinton Warren lane. She's just, you know, she's just a tough, tough bitch. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to describe it. She's like, no, I can go out there and I'm going to take no prisoners. And, you know, I worked with Bernie. He and I, we've worked on the same bills. And this is what I think is the best way to approach this. You know, it, it just seems to me that a lot of those supporters would have more crossover with Warren than they're going to have with Joe Biden. Now, I don't love the idea of Elizabeth Warren becoming more viable. You could say that she eats up some of our delegates that way. That may be true. Uh, Elizabeth Warren supporters, their second choice is overwhelmingly Bernie. Uh, but to me, those people 
saying that the second choice is Bernie is that he is not your second choice if you're a Warren supporter. If you're a Warren supporter, you wanted to vote for Elizabeth Warren. You were enthused about a Warren campaign. And this next section I'm going to dedicate to Elizabeth Warren because she's been giving a lot of heartburn to progressives and she's earned it. She's earned every minute of it. So before we get to Warren, uh, Virginia, I, I took a break and Virginia looks like it's coming in. They've already called it with 0% reporting for Joe Biden. I don't know what leads you uh, to make that call. Uh, but then again, I you know I don't know how corrupt this state actually is. I suppose <laughs> we're about to find out. Uh, suffice it to say, uh, exit polls are surveys of voters conducted. We've got an exit poll right here. Uh, according to the Democrats, uh, by gender, we had 44% of the electorate go to Biden for men, 53% go for Biden that are female, while 33% for Sanders by men and 18% female. What, what the hell is this? Biden got 53% of the woman vote and Sanders got 18% with nothing reporting. This is insane. This seems, this polling is bonkers, man. All right, with 1% of the precincts port reporting in, Joe Biden has 54.6% of the vote. Bernie Sanders has 23.2. Warren, 9.6. Mike, 9.6. Tulsi Gabbard, 1.1. But okay, so that sucks. You know, Joe Biden getting 54% of the vote, that sucks. It is 1% of precincts reporting. But, you know, if you told me that was the final number, I suppose I'd believe it. This is a Beltway state, you know. I mean, look, I, I have expressed skepticism that we can primary Mark Warner and Tim Kaine on this podcast in the past. Precisely because, and the, the way I describe it is, if, if the left, progressive left, is the true heart and soul of the Democratic Party, if that's like its base, uh, that base is more diluted across the rest of the country and is very scant scant here, spread out. We we have Lee Carter, obviously, and we ups, upended a Republican to achieve that. But, and that was, you know, a great success, especially because he's a socialist. I support him strongly. But it was like, it was with no corporate dem in the way to stop us, right? Like they never expected to be able to win that seat. This is back when the corporate Dems were a lot lazier. So just like a year or two ago, you know, uh, but this was when they were a lot lazier. They, they really didn't take us seriously. It was very easy to snipe them out. What we're looking at now is obviously it's a different type of scenario uh, in Virginia than it would be in the entirety of the country. Uh, because if, if we want to give it 60%, to the progressive left here, it's like 60% neoliberals, or even if we just break it 50, 50, although I think this clearly is proving that is not in fact the case, even if Elizabeth Warren was out of the race and there's no guarantee the majority of her voters would go to Bernie, a lot of their second choice is, but like Warren versus like Buttigieg, like they almost had pretty equal distribution and Buttigieg won more states, but they had pretty equal distribution of uh, support for Bernie, like 30% for Pete, 40% for Warren, but Pete's won a lot more states. So 
again, the, the idea that Warren staying in the race is as big of a bell around our neck as we make it out to be. And this has never really convinced me. But uh, nonetheless, I think that these poll numbers coming in for Virginia are really going to show us how corporate it is. And that's useful information. It's really depressing. I, I, I don't want to live in a state that is actually neoliberal. Like it's, it's not an imagined demographic the way it is for most of the corporate elite, you know, that work out of the beltway. Uh, they assume that these kinds of voters are the norm when they're not for at least our party. And, uh, you know, Northern Virginia, this is how they vote. This is why we have Tim Kaine. This is why we have Mark Warner. This is why they're popular here. I mean, these, this is the, the, the kind of place where that shit works. And I've, I've talked about this before, but one of the things that set Virginia apart during the 2016 election is Virginia went to Hillary Clinton. Uh, but that was, it, you see the thing about John McCain's run against Barack Obama very early on, they called it for Barack Obama because Barack Obama won Virginia and Virginia was like a purple state. But for it to go to the Democratic nominee highly indicated that the race was going to go to the Democrats. So they just called it for Barack Obama because no Republican had won the, the presidency without winning Virginia up to that point. Right? It had just been a certainty. And then, of course, Trump went ahead and did that because Virginia went to Hillary Clinton. So all that is to say the vote turned out for Hillary Clinton here uh, in a contested, very close state. And that's saying something because most states were not highly enthused. There was not, it was a low voter turnout because people were so uninspired to vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And a few key states, 70,000 voters in three states decided the, the election. But I, it may sound like I'm making excuses, but I really am saying that the voter here in Virginia is a lot more corporate friendly than it is nationally. And I feel like I have tunnel vision as somebody who follows politics. I, I seem to just forget that uh, because I live here. <laughs> so, of course, you know, you think that your ideas are a lot more radical when you're not around very many radicals. And the rally I went to uh, was really inspiring. It was great to see so many people turn out. But some people were coming from like Pennsylvania to see Bernie. You know, I mean, people travel from all over to see that guy. Uh, he happens to be really inspiring, and that that entire event was just beautiful, and I'm glad I got to be a part of it, and I got to volunteer during it and speak to some reporters. I got a selfie uh, with uh, Judy Woodrow, of all people. Um, couldn't believe she was actually there taking photographs. Mind-blowing. Anyway, uh, Judy Woodruff is from uh, PBS NewsHour, I want to say, CNN, maybe 60 Minutes, whatever. Uh, it was a really fun rally. But I don't think that that is the majority of Virginia Democratic voters. And it's really tough for me to know what's the best method for this state is uh, because this state, because of the concentration of wealth, like Northern Virginia is so wealthy that corporate Democrats are actually popular here. Uh, this is, you know, Clinton, Clinton town, a lot of Clinton people here. Uh, but I'm really hoping this isn't going to be a trend. Look, if Bernie is the only other one who's viable, even if. Biden gets the majority of delegates. Bernie will be the only other one that gets delegates, right? Because Warren and Bloomberg won't be viable. That's not bad. That's not awful. <sighs> 
it, it's a little bit of a bummer, but my hope is literally everyone else is going to turn out. Uh, Bernie won in Maine, supposedly. Uh, Vermont won, went for May or for Bernie, which makes sense. So, of course, uh, we've got a plurality of boomers <laughs> in the Virginia electorate. It looks like that way outvoted the rest of us. Uh, Michael Bennett, actually, in one of these counties, fascinatingly, got 27% of the Gosh, vote, which shows you how stupid I was for assuming my dad would be the only vote Michael Bennett gets. I mean, that's stunning. Uh, he, This is Grayson County. And he leads, Bernie Sanders does, by 2.78 points uh, over Michael Bennett, who has dropped out and been dropped out for a very long time. Uh, Joe Biden at 19%, Michael Bloomberg at 13.89. So far, Michael Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren largely appear to be about the same penalty applied to both Sanders and uh, Biden. And I think that's fair because I like our odds against Biden. I have always liked our odds against Biden. He's falling apart. He's having dementia spouts willy-nilly every day. And the idea that in a debate, when you take away the biggest assets to the centrist argument, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, the idea that you're going to have uh, this sundowning man who can't even remember what race he's running suddenly magically improve his arguments I, I just don't see if you're how you're living in the same reality the rest of us are. So according to Opinion USA, with 39% of the vote in, Joe Biden has 56% of the vote, Bernie Sanders has 22.4, Michael Bloomberg 9.6, Elizabeth Warren 9.5, and Tulsi Gabbard 0.9. Now, again, a lot of people are like, well, what would have happened if Tulsi Gabbard and Elizabeth Warren had endorsed Bernie Sanders, we'd be at 30%. But the way I see it is that percentage is always going to, you know, that that challenge is always going to be there, you know, of, of having the spoiler candidate. You just have to make up the difference. And in Virginia, I don't know that that's possible. I truly don't. I, I It's a centrist town. If the base of the Democratic Party makes up like 60% of normal voters, uh, here it's like, 40% of normal voters with 60% being centrist Dems. Like real ardent, like they, again, Mark Warner's popular, Tim Kaine's popular. They both suck and are very unpopular with the broader Democratic Party. So as much as Biden winning is a little discouraging, keep in mind that only Biden and Bernie get delegates. So Elizabeth Warren gets none. And also keep in mind uh, that Mike Bloomberg was a penalty on the total amount of vote. He, got, he took 9% away from Biden. I mean, Mike Bloomberg, you would think, would have dropped out. Okay, Because that would be a real horror show if Mike Bloomberg had dropped out. Because right now he's a pure penalty on Joe Biden. And I can take the penalty of Elizabeth Warren as long as there's another handicap on the other side, the way I see it. Because then again, it comes down to progressives, versus moderates, Biden versus Bernie. We can win that debate. There's only going to be four people in the next debate. One of them is going to be a literal Republican oligarch. The other one is a sundowning old man. And the third one is Elizabeth Warren, who has decided to become a centrist Dem. And this is only going to further solidify it. And I think that her polling will go down. 
Like on later states, as this the race develops, a third of the delegates may be up for debate today. But as as this shit goes down, I think that it will quickly deteriorate for the centrists now that Pete and Klobuchar are gone. As long as we narrowly win, or as long as we tie it, I would prefer a win, like a, a solid win, maybe not an overly strong win, like a monstrous one. That would always be nice. But if we can just win this or tie, I still feel very good about our chances to win the primary. Everyone's saying that we need to get a plurality of delegates and go into the convention with a plurality, or they're going to steal it from us. They're going to try to steal it from us if we have a plurality. Like, just put that out of your mind, that there's ever going to be a, a moment where we win it and satisfy the powers that be, that they just give up. They've already thrown around the idea of changing the rule back. Tom Perez said he wouldn't do it, but just like how Pete Buttigieg said he wouldn't drop out and endorse Joe Biden, and then the DNC pulled his funding, and just like Amy Klobuchar, I'm sure, got the same ultimatum, and they again, they called Michael Bloomberg, uh, but Michael Bloomberg has his own resources and has no reason uh, to uh, drop out. Like, why would any any threat you could make to him to say it should make it easier for Joe Biden? He he's not going to budge on. And I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if Joe Joe Biden or uh, Michael Bloomberg is that much of a narcissist, or he has some real solid concerns about Joe Biden. I could only imagine. I mean, he is a narcissist and a monster, and he can't, he doesn't seem to understand basic human emotions. But nonetheless, it seems bizarre that, that he's in this race. Like, I, I, I can't comprehend him. If he got out and endorsed Joe Biden, that would be a huge boost. As it stands, he's just like a lead weight holding down Joe Biden going into this primary and they need to really beat us here to stop us because Joe Biden can't maintain, like I would contend he will not maintain his support if he gets this temporary boost of centrist overload. I, I will suspect will be short lived because Elizabeth Warren is making herself more of a centrist progressives continue to abandon her. And we have a clip of her uh, showing us what she thinks about the feasibility of Bernie's plans. So let's play that clip so you can hear the words of former Republican Liz Warren. Bernie thinks that uh, we should raise taxes on middle-class families to pay for health care. And I've shown that we don't actually have to do that. I think a much better way to do it is to raise taxes on the top 1% uh, to make giant corporations like Amazon and Eli Lilly that report billions of dollars in profits and pay nothing in taxes. I think cracking down harder on them makes sense. And my personal favorite, uh, hiring more IRS agents to go after the richest tax cheats. Turns out we could generate a lot of money from that. What really has changed is the field has now narrowed sharply. And this is going to be a race that really puts it to people about what kind of a leader we want for the Democratic Party, but also what kind of a leader we want for our country. Um, and I think that what we've seen so far is that 
The Democratic Party is a progressive party. Progressive ideas are popular. And we need someone who's going to get those progressive ideas done. And that's the reason I'm in this race. So those are the words of former Republican Elizabeth Warren earlier today. Now I took a break because I wanted to come back to you with uh, the results of Super Tuesday. And yeah, um, depressing. Uh, depressing is the word. You know, um, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be easy, but I think we were hoping it would turn out just a little bit better than this. You know, I mean, it it's one thing for North Carolina to go to Biden. It's another thing, you know, for North or Virginia, like you expect it. But, uh, man, it's grim. It's bleak. Uh, he won a lot tonight. And granted, uh, Texas is still in the air. Texas is still very much in play. But the point of Texas was supposed to be like we had a blowout. And it very much looks like that's not going to happen, that it's going to be a neck and neck race. And I, I don't know what else to say to that. I mean, that's the reality of what it is. Now, on the one hand, Mike Bloomberg took a lot more from Joe Biden in Texas than Elizabeth Warren took from us. I think that that was a good call in terms of or a good result in terms of like if we had to pick, you know, uh, Bloomberg will get delegates. That's a bit of a bummer, but uh, it's hard not to spin this as the loss that it is. The one way we got to look at it is that Biden is going to walk away with more delegates than we are most likely. He'll be back in the lead, but he was in the lead at the beginning of this primary and a bunch of other really conniving mercenaries were in the race too. And those mercenaries are now all out of the race. It's Bloomberg will drop out most likely tomorrow. That's what all information on the street seems to say, uh, leaving the centrist vote entirely in Biden's camp. Elizabeth Warren, I don't think is going to drop out. I think anybody who is in denial about where Elizabeth Warren's interests are at this point is just that. I think they're in denial. Uh, she's very clearly made her choice on which side of this struggle for the soul of the Democratic Party uh, she is on. Like it every I, I keep seeing the message like if Elizabeth Warren is not Bernie's VP, we're going to lose this. You guys do not get it. The job was hers if she wanted it. It was always hers if she wanted it. It's all she had to do. She didn't take it. She's still not taking it. She's not going to take it. She took the super PAC money before she took the VP position. That's what you have to factor in. She was willing, more willing, to violate a campaign promise openly and blatantly than she was willing to be Bernie's VP. It was well reported that they actually looked into whether or not she could hold two roles at the same time. It was like VP and like commerce or urban development. It was one of the other uh, secretary positions. Point is, is they, they looked into that. That was like well reported by The Intercept back in January. Uh, and that's, that is what it is. You know, I mean, what, what, what are we going to say? You know, it, it, if it is that certain uh, that 
the Bernie campaign that the Intercept would run with it in an article wanted Elizabeth Warren for two jobs. They looked into whether or not that was a possibility. I think it's safe to say that she would have taken the job. It would have been offered if she was interested in it and she wasn't interested. So we have to just disabuse ourselves of this myth that Warren's coming to help us. She's another opponent and the Bernie campaign like, I mean, this is this is where the not me us moment sort of comes in. We have the infrastructure to win this. We still very much have the infrastructure and we've gotten rid of several of our opponents. Bloomberg's going to drop out tomorrow. It's going to be us, Warren and Biden. We can beat Biden with two thirds of the delegates left on the table. We can beat Biden and anyone who doesn't think that we can beat this shit out is delusional. He literally tonight said that he confused his wife and his sister. And we'll go to that clip in a bit, but it couldn't be a better accent on the failures that we have going right now in the corporate media, that this is hailed as a strong candidate. No, Biden and Elizabeth Warren are two beatable opponents. Now, Elizabeth Warren has completely adopted the Republican talking points, as you heard in there. She's uh, talking about how it's not practical. Like, these are the words of somebody who is going down in flames. She's basically written herself off as as a spoiler. Uh, Now, if she were to drop out and endorse, do I think that that would make the difference and Bernie would win? I really can't say. Uh, With 120 delegates in Biden's hands... Like a couple races would be closer, certainly. Maine, for example, we could have won there. And that's really depressing that uh, Maine is, is I mean, it, it's in the air uh, as it stands. But it's at, at the last moment I saw it, it was three votes away. And the thousands that are in Warren's camp would have really helped us. But there's never a guarantee they would have gone to us. You know, you just don't know. Like polling suggests a lot of them would. But... I mean, this is the nature of politics. You know, I mean, uh, I have it right here. You know, Biden had and this was 12 minutes ago, but Biden in Maine had twenty nine thousand nine hundred and fifty two votes. Bernie had twenty nine thousand nine hundred and forty nine votes, literally a three vote difference. So don't anyone ever tell you that your vote doesn't count. Elizabeth Warren at fourteen thousand votes. So that's I mean, that that obviously would be the difference if he even got half of that. But this is only with 40% reporting in. I mean, it's a a tight race. And I I, I think that, I I guess I don't know. It made sense to me that we were the most likely to win. But I had a bet from the beginning that they were too narcissistic to work together. And they really, I mean, this is as coordinated an effort to stop the progressive movement as I've ever seen from the Democratic Party. I mean, my God, if they knew how to fight this well against Republicans, we'd never have a problem. It's just tough. It's tough. It, it, it's go- it was never going to be easy. I mean, no matter what you think, a movement is hard. And the idea that we could be the midwife for that change in, a, in an environment like ours, where so many of our institutions are completely rotten, is you, you have to keep it in perspective. You know, I said from the beginning, I thought it was way more likely we would win than we would lose. But at the same time, you know, I guess I, w- I guess I was wrong.
You know, I mean, odds, betting odds are now going that we're going to ultimately fail. Uh, but that would be a referendum on the world and humanity, not on us, not on our. I mean, there you could talk about strategy. You could talk about tactics, things we should have done better. Like, I think that the Bernie Sanders campaign needs to disabuse itself of the idea that we can be friends with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think the fact that we had even earlier today, uh, Ocasio-Cortez saying that she appreciates Warren is just sad. I think it's sad uh, and pathetic. Now, as of right now, uh, California looks to be called for Bernie Sanders. Uh, he has 55% of the Hispanic vote, Biden 21, and the rest none. Right now, it's looking pretty optimistic for California, which is good. It's the biggest state. Now, if we if we manage to get at least, I don't know, half, half of these, that would be, uh, I mean, if it seems like I'm, I'm trailing a bit breaking California called for Bernie immediately. Wow. So it was an overflow. Oh, thank God. From the Hispanic vote, it looked like Biden had 21%. I think that means Biden will likely be viable in California. But ultimately, the fact that California went in a tidal wave for Bernie, I mean, California is a huge part of the Democratic primary. I mean, again, if we can just beat him out to a tie, so the total number comes out to being more or less half and half, all the southern states are gone virtually. California being one of the biggest one. Texas, we break it down to a tie, also a Southern state. You're going to get a lot of his, you know, like Hispanic votes to offset those conservative white people that they probably like the fact that Biden was a segregationist. And then it really just is going to come down to a slugfest in the debates. And that means us versus Biden. This is no time to get complacent. And it's also no time to get sad. It's no time to abandon hope. We're closer than we've ever been. Remember, we forced them to drop two people, as I started at the beginning of this episode, just to help this guy along, and he can't fucking get a single coherent sentence going. At this point, I think we we just tighten up, man. In El Paso, Bernie Sanders at 36%, Bloomberg at 25%. You know, I, all we can do is keep going. It's only a third of the delegates. And we've just knocked out so many of our opponents. With Bloomberg, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar gone, some of the most terrifying people in the race are gone. And, I'm, and, and now, every time we do our best, let's also remember, let's also remember, every time we do our best as a movement, we're behind. Because every game we've ever made has been from behind. We're the left. We are used to defeat. We are used to discouragement. But come on, guys. If we beat out in California, that's the biggest state. There's more delegates up for grabs there than anywhere else. And this was the entire reason why so many people dropped out to endorse Biden is to get him even a little slice of that. Now, if we can just walk away here with a draw on Super Tuesday... 
I think the media will destroy Biden all on its own, even as it tries to prop him up. I mean, it'll prop him up. It'll do a lot of wall-to-wall coverage. I have no doubt. But uh, wall-to-wall coverage is... It's a problem, and I don't have a good counter to it, I guess, is how I is giving it some thought. You know, it it's discouraging seeing how many boomers, I suppose, showed up to vote for Biden. It, it is really startling how much of the voting block they are. I mean, you've got to remember this. They are the largest voting block in America, even despite us. We may seem like a bigger force online because we understand online. But the fact of the matter is the boomers are still... As long as they're alive and hanging on there, the big force in American politics, and they they they, they watch cable news. It's an ever-shrinking demographic. It's always getting smaller, but it isn't infinitely small yet. And there's still plenty of Americans who just don't follow politics enough, just our age, that will vote for Biden. I mean, it is what it is. You know, you're always going to have to contend with this. All we have to do is remember that at the end of the day, we did our best. This isn't like last time where we didn't take it seriously. We took it more seriously than ever, and we did our best. You can turn to Elizabeth Warren. You can blame her, and I don't blame you for for fucking blaming her. I really don't. She deserves a fair amount of it. But Elizabeth Warren, Mike Bloomberg, Pete Buttigieg, I mean, these are all people, and the people that vote for them and support them, that's 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 their choice, you know? I mean, look, you can't put yourself as the one to blame for humanity making the decisions it does. All we can do is our best and hope to change the world as little as we can in whatever way we can. I still believe that the movement can make this into a win depending on how we do in California and depending on how the final polling shakes out in Texas, like which again, people are still waiting in lines to vote. And that's disproportionately in Hispanic areas, which means those polls haven't closed yet. You know, Maine is still in contention. It could go either way, but I think that now that the field is narrowed with two thirds left and a fight between us and Joe Biden. And don't get me wrong, there's going to be a million politicians coming out on stage trying to like praise him. But the it, can you see him not putting his foot in his mouth? He couldn't even do it tonight. He couldn't even do it tonight before he had an embarrassing gaffe. The man will self-destruct. He was self-destructing. He was telling people not to vote for him. He lost the first three states. And then got a huge boost of positive press and two literal endorsements from candidates that dropped out two days before Super Tuesday to give Biden as little time as possible to ruin it for himself. Now, as as an accent to this, so you can see what I'm talking about with Joe Biden, here's a clip of Joe Biden uh, announcing his victory. They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing. By the way... It's my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is the, oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. Folks, it's still early, but things are looking
Are you telling me that that guy's not going to self-destruct now that we have California? Are you telling me? And this is the thing. We do our best work when we're down because the establishment gets complacent and it starts to believe its own hype. Now, I don't know what Barack Obama is going to do. He might be waiting until like their plan might be just to keep punching this out, uh, doing endorsement after endorsement to get Joe over the hump. So the next big election uh, could be when Barack Obama throws in behind Biden. I don't know exactly what the plan here is. Uh, Clearly, there is a plan. Barack Obama was reported to have called Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, as I discussed at the beginning. But I I think it's safe to say, and I'll I'll play another clip which shows you the mentality of the superdelegates, actually. Uh, This is from an interview with one of them uh, on Saturday or or Friday uh, before South Carolina. But uh, it's clear that the establishment is coming to fight and they're fighting as best as they know how. But this was, they pulled a hell of a Hail Mary pass here just to make Biden competitive so that he didn't get absolutely embarrassed on Super Tuesday. And we now get the rest of the primary, two-thirds of the remaining delegates on the table, to focus, really focus on Biden and cutting Social Security and Warren and how she has completely just betrayed the movement. She's not a progressive. She's using Republican talking points, as you heard from that clip. But more than anything, we have the establishment that's going to keep saying shit like this. Um, and we started to hear this more and more. And we'll probably have a better sense, obviously, Tuesday uh, after the 1,300 delegates that are up for grabs there are spoken for. But this idea that perhaps Bernie Sanders is moving the goalposts a bit when it comes to delegates and what could go down at, at the convention in Milwaukee. Uh, what say you to that? Well, I, I, I will say that Bernie is moving the goalposts. This is what people need to remember. Uh, the Democratic Party has a party. The party decides its nominee. The public doesn't really decide the nominee. The public gets to vote for President of the United States, but people who are active in the party, who participate in the party, they decide the nominee. Superdelegates are very influential in the party. Also, delegates are very influential. And just because you're a pledged delegate for Bernie Sanders or a pledged delegate for Joe Biden doesn't mean when you get to the convention floor, that you'll stay a delegate for Biden or Sanders. That's a process. And so it is a process to to pick the candidate who wants to be the standard bearer for the party to try to win in November. And so Bernie got to understand that process. And it's, it's a real selective and detailed process. In 2008, the Obama campaign from the very beginning focused on the delegate process because we knew it all was going to come down to the delegates, who's committed to you, who wants to be on your team at the end, and do you really feel like they can be elected? They don't think that you have any real agency. They think that uh, if they just get it close enough, they can steal from Bernie Sanders. But as I said at the beginning of this episode, they were always going to try that. Even if Biden, even if this plan didn't work, that was always in their pocket. They've already floated the idea. It it was 100% in the backs of their minds, but not even in the backs. They've just been, you know, making it clear. Uh, Joe Biden has been announced the winner, according to CNN, of the Massachusetts primary. Uh, Good job, Elizabeth Warren. You came in third in your own state. I mean, this is even more embarrassing than if you had lost to Bernie Sanders, as I was expecting, and you came in second and Biden was in third. I mean, this is way more embarrassing. You came behind both of them. Now, of course, you could say sexism, but it's the same state that elected you. So, you know, do that. Do whatever you want. Uh, You will. People like you will always exist. 
People like Warren will always exist. Warren supporters will always exist. All you can do is focus on what you can get. And what we can get now that Biden is the target is Biden voters. We can splinter him. This gives us what, like, this helps, frankly, solidify the movement and give us a clarity of purpose again. People are like, I don't know if I hate Buttigieg more or Klobuchar more. All these ghouls suck. Well, now all of them are just going to turn into surrogates. But they won't get to be on the debate stage. They're just surrogates. They're just people that go on TV and talk trash about Bernie. That already was happening. That was already happening. Bernie is now the only other one in the, in the race. Now, our... our and, and also, Super Tuesday has a lot of states that vote on it. Now we get to really narrow our focus to just other states, like Georgia, for example. Georgia is in contention. Uh, as I understand it, converting farmers out there, very easy. Apparently, they're really uh, open to Bernie Sanders' arguments. Uh, according to Texas, Sanders is 28. Uh, yeah, Democratic primary. Uh, 285,587, 28.7 for Sanders in Texas, Biden at 24.9, 247,000. So it's a pretty 50,000 votes away. It's a decent lead. It's what I'd want to see happen. If we win both Texas and California, they'll say, hey, you only run two states, but they're the states with the most amount of people. You know, you just got to wake up and keep going. We keep going. We now turn and attack Biden. We draw our full power against him. And one way or another, it's at least we know we did our best. If it was ever going to be possible, it'll be possible this time. And anybody telling you to give up, any naysayers online to tell you to give up, ignore them. Ignore them. Keep trying to the very bitter end. We're going to see this through together. One way or another, we're either all going to die or we're all going to save each other. It's a fight. It's just it's a fight for our survival. There's plenty of times when Gandhi or Martin Luther King, you know, any movement that's ever existed in history has had to fight pushback. It always seems impossible until it is done. You know, I mean, that sounds arrogant and you can mock me for that all you want, but every single movement in politics that ever changed something had a moment of doubt a moment where the all is lost moment and our all is lost moment looks like it's going to be at least a tie. Maybe even we're going to do better, you know, depends on what the final numbers out of California are. So I'm going to go ahead and watch the rest of this primary. Keep the faith. Obviously we'll know everything tomorrow and uh, have a good night. Thank you. Sociable socialism. You, uh, you give me hope some days you and uh, the movement, all of us.